Sneaker Love, a podcast paying tribute to our mutual love of sneakers. The game may be flawed, but the love and culture will always be pure. And now, your host with Sneaker Love, Matty Ice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sneaker Love. This is Matty Ice, and this is the last episode of 2021. It's pretty amazing that we have gotten here. It's pretty amazing how fast this year has gone. It seems like just yesterday I started my journey into sneakers again, that I walked into Flight Club, that I bought my first pair of shoes, actually I should say overpaid for my first pair of shoes, and here we are about to jettison into 2022. The amount of drops is ridiculous, the amount of resale is ridiculous, but you know what? We're all in this together when you think about it. We're all really trying to get the shoes that we want to wear, and whatever the reasons are, whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's clout, or whether it's just because they make you feel good, we're all in this game together. And the sneaker game has absolutely evolved into what it is today. And we've spent much of the first 11 or 12 episodes of this show, actually it's 12, I should probably know that, shouldn't I? We've spent the first 12 episodes kind of telling the story of where we are. In the last episode, I decided to do something a little bit different. I decided to go into a history of sneakers and Christmas. But at the end of the year, in this last episode of the year, there's really only one thing that we can do, and that's to kind of go over some of the best sneakers of 2021. The thing about it is, is there's no way that you could actually go through and count how many releases. I mean, you could, but you'd have a lot of time on your hands, and I just don't have that kind of time. I think what most people are concerned about are what are my opinions of the best sneakers of 2021. But before we get into those, I think there's just a lot of things to think about, right? Every single week is chock full of releases. Every single month we had something to look forward to. And in today's day and age where we're constantly on social media, we're constantly looking through our phone, we're just seeing every single release that's coming up. I mean, Jordan Brand just released their preview of their spring stuff. And we're talking about, we haven't even gotten out of this year yet. And we're already kind of previewing what we're going to see in the first quarter or actually like the second quarter of the year. And we haven't even gotten to some of these releases yet, but already the hype train is building. When we see what's going to release, we can kind of plan out our year. And it's really sad in some ways that we have to plan out our year in that kind of a way. But it is what it is. This is where we are. But over the course of 2021, I have to say that there were a lot of really great shoes that were released. Now, also, there were a lot of shoes that released that I just wasn't into. And a lot of the shoes that people are talking about in terms of shoe of the year aren't necessarily in my wheelhouse or what I would say would be a shoe of the year. But if you look at the whole year in totality... All the seasons, right, all the events, all the milestones, there has been something for everybody. And while on this show I've railed against the fact that the sneaker market seems like it's become exclusive because obviously we're priced out, it's impossible to get the shoes that we want, all that good stuff. We don't need to lament that at the end of the year. I think what is really important at the end of the year here, especially in this particular forum, is to celebrate sneakers, right? That's why we're here. Even if the market isn't what we want, Even if we can't get what we want, even if we haven't gotten a sneakers win in years, which I was in that position until that shock drop by the cool gray 11s, it is what it is. But we're here to celebrate sneakers. We're here to spread love. And spreading love is not a concept that is only singular to this show. The title of this particular podcast is not exclusive to just me. This is not my idea. Some people have told me that I've stolen the idea from Batch Floss, but sneakerheads spreading love just spreading love in general. 
That's the whole point of the world. That's what we should be striving to do more and more in this world. And I feel like we're not doing it. So one of the reasons why I created this show was obviously to talk about sneakers, something that I'm extremely passionate about, but also to talk about the shoes and try to kind of commiserate with everybody, to spread that kind of love with each other, to talk about something that we mutually love. That's what the intro of the show is, the mutual love of sneakers. So let's take a look at what the year brought us. Jordan Brand obviously had a great year. Like there's no year that Jordan Brand isn't going to have a good year. If you think about all the shoes that Jordan Brand comes out with and Nike and Jordan Brand, but I'm specifically talking about Jordan Brand here. Think about the hundreds and hundreds of shoes that Jordan Brand comes out with. They have to have a like even if they have a 10% rate of success, they're going to have some pretty killer shoes. And some of the ones that came out I thought were actually great. They just weren't my shoe of the year. Let's talk about a couple of those. So the Air Jordan 4 had actually a really, really great year. And one of the ones that stands out to me that came out was the University Blue. And this was really made off of that UNC PE that, that you know they made for the UNC basketball team. I think they might have even made it for the football team. I'm not sure. But it was a really, really nice looking shoe. Anytime you put that Carolina Blue on a Jordan, you're going to hit a home run. And they hit a home run with that one. Other Jordans that came out that I thought were great. The Air Jordan 1 High 85 and the Neutral Gray. Now, this is something that at the time, I don't think I fully appreciated. I definitely appreciate the history, but the colorway at the time seemed like it was very, very plain Jane. But now that I've seen it out in the wild, I've seen so many people have it. It's such a classic look and it's such a clean look and versatile look that I'm really, really sad that I sat on those. So Jordan Brand had a great year. Obviously, 2021 continued the trend of Nike Dunks. Nike Dunks have had their major hype ever since the Off-White came out in 2019. 2020 saw a lot of GR Dunks come out, plus a lot of collaborations, of course. That's really where the Dunks kind of make their bread and butter, in my opinion. The the SBs, the collabs with other uh, other street shops and other you know skate shops, those are really where I think they make their best products. And obviously, 2021 continued that trend, and we saw a lot of those. I think of the P-Rods, I think of the Street Hawkers, those were great. The Carpet Company Dunk Highs, those were SBs. I thought those were fantastic. The Dunk High Mauis, or the Hawaii's, or whatever you want to call them. The ones that came out for 420. I thought those were absolutely fantastic, and those were all awesome. But none of those were considered shoe of the year. And I actually have a pretty hot take, in my opinion. The Dunk Low Mummies were not one of the shoes of the year. I've seen a lot of people say that. It's just too specific to one month of the year. Like, you can't wear that any other time. The details are cool, don't get me wrong. But when I think about shoe of the year, I think that it has to be something that stands out, something that's new, something that's innovative, but also something that can be versatile and that can have a larger a larger appeal, so to speak. Obviously, even before Virgil Abloh's untimely death, Off-White had a great year. I think about the Off-White Dunks, the 1 through 50. Again, a lot of people complained about those, and I think I talked about those in my Nike Dunk episode. I might have even talked about them in the Virgil Abloh episode. I really can't remember at this point. But a lot of people hated on it, saying, look, you just threw the same thing out there and kind of put 50 different versions on it. And I defended saying that it was a part of the art. The whole point was to make it seem like a DIY thing. Like if somebody took these kind of shoes that were completely plain or very, very neutral and was in their garage trying to design shoes, that's kind of what you would get is these different aesthetics. Very, very simple changes. That's what somebody who was just starting out would do. And I thought that it was a little bit more reflective of how Virgil started in this business. But before we get into all of that, obviously, I think we need to talk about Yeezy. So 
Yeezy had a very, very interesting year. This also might be another hot take, but I feel like Yeezy hasn't come out with a great looking shoe in years. A lot of people like the 450s. A lot of people like those boots or the knit runners. They're just not for me. And perhaps my skin color is a little bit too white to appreciate those. Perhaps it's a, it's a an aesthetic or a wardrobe that I just cannot pull off. And that's okay. I don't have to like everything. But I just feel like they're continuing to get weirder and weirder for the sake of getting weirder and weirder, if that makes sense. And it's just not something that I'm, I'm, I find appealing. However, I do feel like Yeezy did a couple of things correctly. And one of them is actually in my shoe of the year, but this one is not. The, the 700 V2 Cream. I really, really like those. I really like those because they kind of harken back to the statics. The Statics are one of the best Yeezys that have ever come out. I really wish that I had a pair. I have not pulled the trigger on them in rep or retail, but I really would love to have a pair one day. They look like dad shoes. They're white. They're plain. But man, they're just fire. I don't know what it is about them. And these creams really reminded me of that. And so I was very, very taken by them. I just didn't get them. So these are the brands that I feel like have had a good year but are kind of in that honorable mention category. New Balance is another one. Let me let me talk about New Balance here. New Balance had a fantastic year, and I think New Balance had a fantastic year that kind of went under the radar because New Balance is not, they're not a brand that I think most people uh, associate with pop or with being out there and super, super popular in sneaker culture. Many of the shoes or the silhouettes that they have are based off of old running shoes. And they very, very much have that dad aesthetic. They're not going to wow you when you wear them. They look very, very, I don't know. There's a very odd look to some of them. Like I think of the 990s, not really my thing. And that's where you got like a lot of the 992s or 993s, like those high 900 ones. They, they look kind of odd. They have weird shapes, weird cuts of their materials. And they're just not something that appeals to me, but they appeal to a lot of people. And a lot of people bought them up and they had a fantastic year. And there will be a new balance in uh, what I consider my top five of the year. So let's get into some of those top fives or some of the best sneakers that I feel like of the year. I talked about the Nike Dunk and of course the Nike Dunk is having a fantastic year, no doubt. But if I'm looking at the best Dunk of the year, the one that I really, really enjoyed the most was the Para Dunk Low. And that was the one, there was actually two. There was the miscolored ones but that's not the one I'm talking about. It was the one with like the abstract art on it. Call me crazy, but there's something about that that's just very appealing. Number one, it made me think about the Huxtable ones from way, way, way back in the day, like the Huxtable sweater ones. For anybody who's too old to understand what I'm talking about, Bill Cosby, obviously we're not going to get into his particular history here, but Bill Cosby played Cliff Huxtable on The Cosby Show, and Bill Cosby and Cliff Huxtable were noted for wearing these ridiculous sweaters. And that's kind of what this abstract art looked like. But why do I like it? The swoosh is a little bit different than what you see on a Nike Dunk. You're not going to get the full Nike swoosh. You kind of got a small black one. And it was very artistic. And I just thought that they popped. I thought that they looked great. The materials looked fantastic. And despite the fact that they're so crazy, they kind of reminded me of the Chunky Dunky a little bit, which is a shoe that until I got it, I didn't fully understand it and appreciate it. It seemed like it'd be completely out there. But I absolutely love it. And it's so much more versatile than I ever thought that it would be completely crazy. And so I really, really liked that one. And so that one made my list. And again, these are not necessarily in particular order and we're not doing this numbered wise, but these are some of the shoes that popped out to me as being some of the best of the year. This one is not a hype shoe at all, but to me, the meaning behind the functionality and the design of it 
has a nod because of what it's trying to accomplish, and that's the Nike Go Fly Ease. These were the ones that I think Jimmy Fallon jokingly said that he invented, and I'm pretty sure Nike gifted him a pair. Unfortunately, they sold out so quickly, but these shoes were designed with people who were unable to tie their shoes in mind, and it basically made for a handless experience in getting your shoe on. Nike actually and Jordan brand did a lot of work this year in making it more accessible to have sneakers, especially those Jordans. I think the ones that zipped up and had the collar that zipped up. I can't remember what they are called. At the end of the year or towards the end of the year, they had um, they had a kid who was in a wheelchair design it based off of his favorite Jordan colorways. It was a very specific pair to him. That's really, really great stuff. And it sucks that the Fly Ease actually got caught up in all this resale bullshit because that means that people who actually need the functionality of these shoes now have to overpay to get them. For sneakerheads out there, that's not really the point of the market. Yes, it's capitalism, but let's think about this for a second. You're really going to try to make a whole bunch of money off somebody who has a disability, somebody who doesn't have it the same as you do. I think that's kind of crappy, and I I think that it kind of goes in the same line as people who are trying to make a buck off of Virgil Abloh's death, trying to oversell off-whites, all that good stuff. Anyway, I thought that was an absolutely fantastic drop, a fantastic concept, and I think that the idea behind it, embettering humanity, bettering it for people that don't have it the same as we do, I think that that is a fantastic thing. So another drop that's going to be on here, another shoe that's on here, this is a classic, a reissue of a classic. Now I will say this, this is on the list because of the aesthetic look of it, but I understand that the drop and the QC of the shoe really weren't that great. And that's the Air Max 90 Bacon. So I've always wanted this shoe. I, I, was new, I thought that I was never going to get it because it's, it was so old. I mean, it came out in like 2004. This was back when Dave's Quality Meats actually existed, which for those of you who don't know, uh, that was a boutique shop that was in New York City. It's no longer open now. But the owner, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. This is why I should probably do research when I do some of these things. He designed the Air Max based off of what looked like a pack of bacon if you were looking at bacon you know, from the top down. It was a fire shoe. It completely sold out. And it's been kind of a unicorn for a lot of sneakerheads out there. For me in particular, I came into the game so late that there was no way that I was ever going to get it. So when I saw that they were reissuing it, I thought that was awesome. I tried. I just couldn't get it. Resale prices are actually around retail. Like they're not that high. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the QC on Nike's end was not really that great. There were a lot of draw marks. There was a lot of sloppy QC. And this was around the time, I think this was in March, around Air Max Day, when all of this, uh, the shipping and supply chain issues were really coming to light. That might even have been around the Suez Canal blockage. So a lot of these stores, a lot of these boutiques didn't have all of their stock. And we kept seeing restocks and restocks and restocks. But I'm just going to put it out there. This is one of the prettiest shoes that's ever been invented. And I absolutely love it. And so the fact that they reissued it The fact that it was dropped again and the fact that it's still accessible now is awesome. And one day I'm going to pull the trigger on it. So I absolutely loved, loved that one. I mentioned that Yeezy had a weird year, but they had a couple of drops that really stood out to me. One of them actually just happened. And that was the reissue or the restock almost of the Yeezy 350 Beluga Reflective. Now, it's not the fact that it's reflective. This is why I'm calling it kind of a reissue, because to me, reflective versus non-reflective, I really don't care. But the Beluga colorway is one of the best Yeezy 350s ever. It's absolutely incredible. And from everything that I have heard, the drop went absolutely wonderful. A lot of people were able to hit. Unfortunately, I was not able to hit. This seems to be a theme for me. But again, I'm not putting my personal uh, my personal sadness over the fact that I can't get some of these shoes 
to cloud my judgment over these shoes. But this is a wonderful shoe. The 350s are awesome. If you've never owned a pair of 350s, they are so comfortable. They're they're hard to style for me sometimes, but now that it's the winter time and I'm wearing a lot more joggers, I can definitely pull them off a lot better. But this was an awesome one. I thought it was fantastic. And even though it's not a brand new one, I thought it was completely spectacular. So another one that's also a reissue, and this one I actually hit on, this is the Cool Gray 11s. So I talked about the Jordan 11 two episodes ago. It has a an unique and, and iconic place in the Jordan brand line, but also in sneakers in general. And the history of the Cool Grays actually makes this particular release awesome. Because when it actually came out, I think it was in 2001, it had only been, what, six years since the Jordan 11 actually debuted? And they debuted a new colorway, and I think it was the first time that they had ever done that. And they re-released it again in 2010, and then they re-released it in 2021. So we're talking like every 10 years or so, you're getting a new iteration of the Cool Gray. It's classic. The materials were awesome. The craftsmanship on my particular pair wasn't that good, but I haven't heard anything about that being across the board. Just a wonderful release. When you get a Jordan Retro and you get something that's just classic and clean and it's not a collaboration and you're and you're just you're getting the the history of Jordan brand. It's awesome. So I put that up there. So the Off-White. I said that Off-White had a great year in terms of releases that they had and I talked about the Off-White Dunks. But to me, the star of the show was the Off-White Jordan 2 Low, specifically the Chicago, I'll put that in quotes, colorway. The reason why I like this one so much is because I think number one, it bucks the trend of people always going for like ones, threes, fours, fives, anything like that. And Virgil was willing to tell a story with the Jordan 2. And the fact that it had it was steeped with history. The fact that it was created off of what is a an actual pair, I think, at Nike headquarters that's falling apart. It's signed. There's so much history behind it. Michael Jordan actually signing these pairs. Like this was an awesome, awesome thing. And I think the other reason why I like it so much is because, again, it bucks the trend of today's hype machine. Everybody's looking for the same kind of silhouettes, the same kind of shoes that sell. And this was completely out of nowhere. And yes, it's probably going to rehype the Jordan 2. But for somebody who actually likes the Jordan 2, this was fantastic. And now we're seeing a lot of Jordan 2s that are going to be coming out. A company that I'm going to talk about a little bit later is going to come out with one. You're seeing Union come out with one. And I just thought that that's fantastic. And I just love the history of it. I really did. So that was on there. So this one that's on there is obviously going to be, maybe not make your eyes roll, but I think it might be obvious. And I really, really dug uh, the Travis Fragment, but the low top specifically. A lot of people went for the high top and the high top was designed after an old Jordan 1 sample. So this wasn't really reinventing the wheel at all. They basically put Travis, you know, uh, Travis branding on it. They put Fragment branding on it and they called it a Travis Fragment. But the low top, I actually like way better. I thought it had better materials. I thought the design was much better. And again, with that black toe, you're always going to hit a home run with sneaker heads and with me with that black toe. And I thought that one was a little bit better. This is also in line with how I feel like the low top in the mocha was actually better than the high top in the mocha. Call me crazy. It's just something that I feel. And so I really, really like this release. And, you know, it's, it's tough to get. People are paying a lot of money for it. But I really, really liked it. And I just felt like, yeah, you know, that, that's a really good shoe. So one more, well, one more before we get to the real heavy hitters here. So Pata had another great year because they had that Air Max One release. Now they came out with multiple colorways, but I really liked the one that was more like a tannish release. I think it was the first one that released. I can't remember the colorway's name, but it was fantastic. And I thought it was very classic. And the thing about it is compared to their dunks, this was understated. 
most of their releases have been kind of flashy. I think about the junk dunks from like what 2018, I think, that had the bright colors, the pink and the the triple swoosh or whatever. It was very subtle, but again, it popped a little bit because it had those bright colors. This one was just a very classic looking Air Max One and with a very very neutral color, not an earth tone, but it was something that you could style with a lot of things. And I thought that they really hit a home run, especially from a materials perspective. Now for my last three, this is another Jordan Retro that I absolutely love. And it was kind of in the, the vein of the Air Max 90 Bacon, mainly because it was so old that it had become a unicorn. And that's the Jordan 4 Lightning. Yellow is a tough color to pull off, I will admit. But this is just another Jordan Retro that I absolutely love. And I think the reason why I love it so much is because it feels very much like a reverse of the Cool Gray 4s. And it was accessible, available. They're still restocking it. And honestly, the price on it is not really that bad. A lot of people said it wasn't as good in terms of materials and quality as the original release. But I loved it. And I just thought it was an absolutely fire shoe. And I think you can style it a lot better than you think. And so that was on there. But now we're getting to the two heavy hitters. And these are ones, first of all, the first one, I'm going to absolutely botch the name. But I said that New Balance had a great year. And I foreshadowed to the fact that I was going to talk about one of the companies that had a great collaboration with New Balance and that's Ama Leon Dor and I think I got that completely wrong but their New Balance 550 this was awesome first of all the 550 was an old basketball shoe from the 80s that came out and actually it kind of has New Balance's flair with that weird toe cap cut of leather it's really really odd but for the most part it has a very a very vintage look that is also very stylable And the ones that they had that are out there were white with just a pop of color. It had the Carolina blue, I think. I think it had navy blue and like a purple or something like that. But these were fantastic. And they brought life to this subtle but versatile silhouette. And I thought that they really, really hit a home run for two reasons. One, obviously the aesthetic look of it was fantastic. The materials were off the chain. And three, it's a shoe and a colorway and a shoe and a silhouette again that kind of breaks the mold. And this is what I think sometimes you need to do to have a sneaker of the year. And I just thought it was terrific. And I said the mummies really weren't my sneaker of the year, but these are definitely in consideration because they were fantastic. Unfortunately, there's one more company who I feel like had a better year than everybody. And that's Ama Manier. So Ama Manier itself is getting sneaker of the year because they've come out with two collaborations with Jordan Brand. Now, I understand that the two Jordan silhouettes that they use are not breaking the mold. And I've talked about that already, about the Off-White 2 breaking the mold because of the fact that they're going with a silhouette that is not furthering the hype machine. However, when you come out with a sneaker or two sneakers that are so quality and material and the story behind them and the release methods are so on point and the messaging is so wonderful that it actually makes it it makes it better and makes it stand out above any other shoe that released. So the Amon Manier Jordan 3, to me, is the best shoe of 2021. And I don't think it's actually very close. So there's a couple things here. Um, the Jordan 3 is obviously a very, very classic silhouette. It's a classic Jordan. There's so many iconic colorways and you can put so many different design elements on it and absolutely make a home run every single time. But with this one... This was also towing the line of luxury, but also aged. And it actually kind of went into that new look. And right now, the hot look is aged. The hot look is kind of like having an aged sort of look with yellowing materials, things of this nature. And this kind of played into that a little bit. But I also like the fact that this was a women's driven release. 
this sneaker was designed with women in mind and women sneakerheads in mind. And the release also spoke to that. The release having a women's only raffle ahead of time to make sure that women got in line first and were able to have their chance at getting this shoe. Because what Aman Manier knows is that a lot of dudes with tiny feet are out here trying to get women's releases. Now, I'm a size 12 in men, so it's very, very rare that I would do that because there's very rarely a woman's release that has shoes that large. But in this particular case, they put their money where their mouth was, and they actually made it come to life. And the release was great. They had bot protection. Everything was great about it. They followed that release up very, very recently with their Jordan 1. Now, the Jordan 1, I thought, was an excellent-looking shoe. You really can't go wrong with that, like, burgundy color. Again, the story, the materials was all very, very fantastic. It was a wonderful-looking shoe, and the release was also great. I'm not saying that the Jordan 1 is on par with the Jordan 3. I'm just putting Amon Manier there because they had such a great year for so many reasons. When you see great releases like this, releases that that acknowledge the fact that this market right now is not helpful to sneakerheads at all, that there are a lot of people who are putting together programs to basically try and get shoes without really giving anybody else a fair shake. And I just mentioned the, the women not having a real chance at getting women's releases. Like these were made in women's sizes. And so I loved all of that. Now, Union is also a company that has been doing great things with these releases, especially in bot protection. But I'm going to say this. I didn't feel like their Jordan 4s this year were really on par with the originals. They just weren't my thing. Very 90s aesthetic, and I totally understand the design elements behind it. But they'd done that last year. And so to me, they're not considered here. So if you're going to ask me straight up, what is the best shoe of 2021? It is unequivocally the Ama Manier Jordan 3. So there you have it. 2021 in a nutshell. These are my favorite shoes of 2021 with my pick for sneaker of the year. It's pretty much chalk. It's like picking the number one seed to win the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying that I was trying to have a hot take here. I'm just giving you my opinion straight up. This is subjective. Um, This was a great year for sneakers. I think we can all agree to that, even if, again, we didn't necessarily get the shoes that we want. But that's why I think the retail market is changing a little bit. I think we will eventually hit a peak and it will come crashing down much like the housing market. And we'll be able to get the shoes that we want because I just don't think this is sustainable. And I think with the rep market coming up and the counterfeit market coming up, I think you are seeing a lot more people diving into those markets because they can get similarly or better quality products accessibly and affordably. And I think you're just going to see it. I think the market is going to shift because they can't afford to keep shooing away sneakerheads who are in this game for the right reasons. And there's so many of us out there. I just want to say this. We've reached the end of 2021. And the story arc for me in 2021 as it related to sneakers started so differently than it ended. I started the year creating a YouTube channel, QCing shoes on Reddit, and being really, really into that market. My YouTube channel got shut down just as I was hitting my stride, and I kind of found it as a blessing in disguise. Even though I was hitting my stride, I felt like I still wasn't gaining the traction, and I realized what it was. I realized that it wasn't because of anything that I was doing from a content perspective. It was the fact that I just didn't have the connections, and I never was going to get the connections, and that's okay. And so I kind of let things simmer for a while. And then I just decided in October that I was going to create this podcast because the the spoken word is really where I do my best work. But 2022 is going to be about something different. I have a little bit more technology behind me. I have a little bit more inspiration behind me. And so I'm not going to get back into reviews. 
I'm not going to be doing any of that stuff. But perhaps a visual medium is best for now. Perhaps that's what the evolution of this will be. So I hope that you share it with me. But of course, most of all, I wish you the happiest of new years. I hope if 2021 wasn't the best year for you, that 2022 will be a better year, that it will be fruitful, and that every single one of you, first of all, will reach your dreams and will find the happiness that you're looking for, because that's what I wish for every single one of you out there. I want to thank every listener who has tuned in this year. I hope to continue entertaining you in 2022. I hope that you continue to listen to the show. And I can't wait to connect with as many of you as possible. And if you want to connect with me, the handle is on Instagram, Matty Ice Sneakers. You can find me on Twitter at Matty Ice Media. And you can visit MattyIceMedia.com for all the podcasts that I support. And you can find all that information in the show notes in each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening to me this year. And thank you for your support always, whether it was on YouTube and whether it's here. I appreciate all of it. Take care, everybody. Happy New Year. And I will speak to you next year. Peace. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Sneaker Love with Matty Ice are those of Matty Ice and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. The Matty Ice Media Network does not condone the purchase or sale of any counterfeit goods. Sneaker Love with Matty Ice is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.